right, so this is a little bonus section. Yes. That we're doing. Um, about David Fincher. Yes, because recently we saw The Killer. His new movie. Yeah. Um, I guess to start, because we did rewatch like a few of Fincher's movies, but I guess like our, our usual question, like when, do you remember when you were first kind of aware of either him or one of his movies? Like was there... No, I was aware of his movies, but not him. Yeah. Um, I think one of the first things I did see was like maybe seven. Yeah. But I was not aware of the director at that time that I saw that movie. I think he's pretty unique in that regard where it's like most, even for me, getting into movies, I knew his movies and how much I liked them before I knew him. Yeah. Like... I wasn't really consciously thinking about David Fincher when I was saying, like, have you guys seen that movie Seven? Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, I wasn't really... right. He wasn't in my mind. But then by the time I was kind of in middle school and looking at, like, around, like, eighth grade and looking at him as a director, I was like, wow. Yeah. Okay, this guy's phenomenal. You're right. And then it was... And I think that specifically happened... Because I rewatched Panic Room. Yeah, I love Panic Room. That's I, actually one of my favorite. But I actually saw Seven first. But one of my favorite of David Fincher's is Panic Room. Yeah, because he has had one of the most fascinating careers. He started doing like music videos, mm-hmm. and he did a bunch of Paul Abdul's videos. Oh, he did videos funny. from Madonna. There's actually a video of his that I really, really love. I don't know if you remember this one. There was a Rolling Stones video mm-hmm. where it was them as giants. Walking through what? a city. It was a black and white I don't remember music that video. Oh, we're going to have to look it up and, and see it. He also, I think he did the video for Janie's Got a Gun. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So okay, it's like, different. he did like some major yeah. music videos. And then the, the big thing that was actually his introduction as a director. And I know you probably remember this commercial. He did the, um, uh, the ACS, the American Cancer Society commercial. Wow. Of the fetus smoking the cigarette in the yeah, womb. That was his. That was a, the infamous one. <laughs> yeah. wow. So right from the beginning, he comes out and he's extremely subversive. Yeah. And is making things that everybody's like, oh, did you see yeah. that? They're gripping images that stick with you. Mm-hmm. But then he is like 27, 28 years old. Mm-hmm. He's done all these music videos. He's even started his own company called Propaganda mm-hmm. that used to do all of those music videos. They were moving something like, like this guy is like in his late twenties and they were moving something like $4 million, like between like four and $8 million a year. Oh wow. That's awesome. Just like with the revenue that they had doing his videos and that was just growing exponentially. Yeah. And he gets offered to do Alien 3. <laughs> a movie that in concept is a great Alien sequel. Yeah. In my opinion, maybe even a better one than Aliens. Yeah. I'm not the world's biggest fan of Aliens. Yeah. I love... I love how I felt about Aliens as a kid, yeah. and I love the story about how it got made. Yeah, but I'm not. I when I've rewatched Aliens, I'm just kind of like it's a lot of fun, but <laughs> I just like the old. But one. that's yeah, that's as far as it goes. <laughs> and then I'm also, as you know, a weird fan of Prometheus. And yeah, you Alien are. Covenant. Yeah, well, like, so you still kind of go back and forth sometimes. Where you're like, ah. they're not good movies. Yeah, you go back. And Neither forth. of them are good movies, <laughs> but I love them. Yeah. <laughs> But after Alien 3, he it looked like we weren't going to have him as a director. Yeah. He just kind of left. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, I'm done with that. I'm going to direct commercials and music videos. Mm-hmm. And then he got the wrong script for Seven. The yeah. first draft of Seven, written by Andrew Kevin Walker, who wrote The Killer, mm-hmm. had the head in the box at the end. Yes. And then another director came in and said, no, we got to get rid of that. And we got to make them buddy cops. 
and they wrote it for them to be like young almost kind of like blue streak yeah was okay. the way that it's been described yeah. as the direction they were going it was going to be a comedy mm-hmm. and then the serial killer using a seven deadly sins was gonna be a joke mm-hmm. almost like he was like that he gets caught like slipping on a banana peel or something oh. like it was gonna be just like goofy let's just say i'm glad they didn't <laughs> <Yeah. make that. laughs> and david fincher got the script with a head in the box yeah. and sent it to his buddy. He had this little buddy named Brad Pitt. <laughs> What's in the box? <laughs> <laughs> and then ended up with the most infamous ending that you either love it or you hate it. And I fall in the love it camp. Yeah. Of what's in the box. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that was good. Yeah, I like that one. I really like that one. And I then, enjoyed it. But it scared me when I was growing up. Because I saw it I when mean, I was young, though. So it scared me when I was growing up. There are parts of that movie that still scare me. <laughs> like the um, the one of Sloth is particularly. Yeah. That's the guy who wakes up in the bed. Yep. They think he's dead. Yep. And... It, it simultaneously has like the funniest scene and the scariest scene at the same time. Because mm-hmm. hearing John C. McGinley just be like, Dex! Yeah. To bring them in. <laughs> they, they both walk in and then of course the guy starts coughing. You're just like, oh, yeah. this is messed up. Yeah. But then the the one also, I think it was for Lust. Mm. The one where they have the guy in the, um, in the interrogation room. Mm-hmm. They have like the one guy who they found who had like the contraption yes. on him. Yes. Oh. And then in the other room was Michael Massey as the club yep. owner. Yep. And <laughs> I remember that. Like the guy who was in there when he starts freaking out, mm-hmm. just like, I, I didn't know what to do. And it, he, he had a gun on me. And like, that is freaky to me. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> but then of course he also did fight club, mm-hmm. which a fantastic movie that I think has interesting parallels to the killer. Yeah, it does. And especially in the idea of people delivering kind of like weird hyper-masculine totemic kind of mantras and like pieces (laughs) of of supposed philosophy. Yeah. And it is like, there's, we'll get into that when we talk about the killer, but like, that's always very, that was kind of very interesting to me. I love Panic Room too. Of course we forgot about the game. Oh yeah, the game. Phenomenal. That was another one that I saw early see i didn't see i didn't see that until you introduced me to that one okay so when the year you introduced me to that one i that was my first time ever seeing it but you know i told you i only saw little peekaboo moments of it like on tv but i never really saw all the way through so i never knew what that was about that was one of the tbs movies that whenever it came up i sat down and watched it yeah they used to play like it was really weird they used to play three michael douglas movies that just oh yeah didn't yeah. were so weird because they would do the game. Uh huh. They would do falling down. Oh yeah, they would. And um, what's it called? The other one I remember a lot was Romancing the Stone. No, see the one I remember is the President something. You remember the one the with American President? president? Yeah. Yeah. They, they did. You see that's the, the one I remember president. the yeah. more more than anything right. was American they, President. They did that one also. Aaron Sorkin script. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like they did that one also a lot. Yeah. Like um. The, for some reason, I always thought it was so weird that, like, <laughs> the ones that I would always catch were Romancing the Stone, yeah. The Game, and Falling Down. I was just like, these are, like, the weirdest. Yeah. It gave me this perception of Michael Douglas as being, like, the strangest actor in Hollywood. Yes. Man, you remember Falling Down, right? <laughs> falling Down was Whoa. amazing. <laughs> How he kind of, like, went off on that, about the burger. You remember that, that infamous scene? I, where he... <laughs> I, like, often will joke with my dad from time to time. And... Uh, 
you know, there, there was a point when, you know, when I was working a lot and I, I didn't get to see him or my, my mom all that often, mm-hmm. he would text me and just say, how's everything been? And I would just text him that scene, <laughs> the YouTube clip of that scene. Oh, no. <laughs> and that would be my response. Yeah, but funny. like, yeah, no, that movie was one of those like wild, <laughs> yeah. wild movies. That was a roller coaster ride, man. It was. And so was the game. Like the game, you go back to it. That truly was. Yeah. That was a game for real. It yeah. like you had, it's like puzzles. You had to figure things out. And like you're like, what happened to this man? And I, and you know what's so sad is by the very end, I felt so bad for this man. I did too. Because he was like this rich dude that had everything at his fingertip, yeah. that like was a big boss. And then like you remember him about him in, he started asking for money. He was like, anybody got any change? Uh, that was the worst the, part. My heart was like, yeah. actually, because like you saw somebody fall from grace almost. You did. So yeah. it was so sad to see him in that light. Even yeah. though it's not like it was a good light that he was rich. I'm just saying it was. You see a person that fell, but don't know yeah. how to be poor. Like, he, yeah. he fell from being rich, but don't know how to be poor. He did. Of course, it was all a game, but, like, the fact that he thought it was real, he had no money on him, yeah. remember? Yeah. And he was like, anybody got to... And he was just counting he, checks. I yeah, was like, he's no. counting the changes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing that I really love about that is that that's a scene that really displays how you kind of get the sense that Fincher feels about things mm-hmm. versus how we often will like mm-hmm. as an audience i think that fincher is like and i say this as in a good way is probably like the most misanthropic american filmmaker outside of john carpenter mm-hmm. that has been part of our kind of general generation yeah where it's like they're still alive they're mm-hmm. still doing interviews you're still getting a sense of who they are mm-hmm. as individuals you're not really looking back on them before I think that there are older filmmakers that you could look back on and say are similarly misanthropic, but I wouldn't really say, I, I couldn't really say for sure yeah. because like they're, they're not still actively doing stuff. Yeah. But like, I think it's very fu- fascinating because I really get the sense that Fincher laughs at that scene. <laughs> that like that scene for him is a comedic beat. I want to say it's and... the, the I, you know how I really feel? Yeah. It's, the morbid person, like yeah. a person that's a little bit more morbid, it's a little bit gallows humor. Yeah, gallows humor. <laughs> like they would laugh at it, but yeah. I found it absolutely like heart wrenching because yeah. you know what's so sad It's like he's the kind of person where you really even shouldn't feel you shouldn't even feel sad for this dude. No, not at all. But I feel bad because yeah, I like when I was watching, I was like, I know how it feels to be in that way, and yeah. I know how to deal. Yeah, but do you? Yeah. So I felt so bad that he had fell so far that he yeah. had to ask for like change, and he had no way to get home Mm -hmm. and it was just so kind of crazy because i was like i know how that feels i I was used to that growing up like i know that so i like to me that's nothing that's just another day in the life but to him it seems so out of his comfort zone and outside of him that i was i felt so bad because you know how you sometimes and this is in real life you know how sometimes you can look at some people and you're like they would not make it if they no. didn't have yeah. like money or if they didn't do this or yeah. they wouldn't make it like they yeah. i don't know how they would yeah like live life like mm-hmm. if they so it's so funny because and he reminded me of a person like that that's why i felt so bad for him because i was like no you're the kind of man that needs to stay rich he, he really <laughs> and like that that was the thing that i thought was so funny about that is that like I said, like I think for Fincher, that was definitely <laughs> like a piece of gallows humor. It was yeah. a comedic beat. The thing that I think is so interesting, though, is that like for me as an audience member, I 
on an intellectual level, understand mm -hmm. the gallows humor that's there. And then there was empathy because I've been in that situation. So I was like, that's empathy. That and then was, it's that where you shouldn't be poor. Like, yeah, you need money. Like <laughs> That was the big thing for me was that, like, I know what it feels like to be in that situation. Mm -hmm. And also, on top of that, too, the way Michael Douglas played that character. Mm hmm I was so swept up with his journey yeah. that by the time we got there, yeah. I felt for him. Me too. And part of the thing that I think amuses Venture mm -hmm. is that reaction. Yeah. Is an audience member being like, oh man. Yeah. And I think that that's even more amusing to him. <laughs> because you know why? And I understand why. Because like I already said, like, he's, just, he's the kind of person that you don't think you should feel sorry for. No. But by the end of it, yeah. he's been through the ringer. So yes. I absolutely can relate and I feel bad. Like yeah. there's empathy there for me. And I'm like... Uh, and I'm just kind of it's it's heart wrenching for me. I'm like, yeah. oh my, he's already been through so much. Yeah. And then you just have a feeling in your heart when you look at him. I'm just like, oh, he ain't never been through no stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you feel bad because he ain't never had to deal with it. You just now dealing with this at the age you are now. Yeah. You don't you don't live rich your whole life. Like it was just sad. So was. I was just like, oh, like I was like, I know yeah. how this feels. So. I'm not, like, I wouldn't be worried about me, but I'm worried about you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, like, it, that that was one of the things I thought was, like, very, very fun about that movie yeah. in a lot of ways. Is that yeah. you really see both the technician and, like, the fact... That was a real audience movie. Mm -hmm. Fincher has been on record saying that he doesn't like that movie that much. Mm -hmm. That he thinks it was kind of a mistake that he took it. Mm -hmm. And I understand why, because the ending doesn't make any sense. Like... Yeah. If you take, logically speaking, nothing about that movie makes any sense at all. Mm -hmm. It is the most absurd premise. <laughs> I, I like, and it would have never passed the the Hitchcock Alma test. Yeah, you know, it's like Hitchcock's wife Alma used to read all this stuff, and then also you know help with some of the, like the cleanup and the writing. There's no way she would have ever let him make that movie. Yeah. That movie was a the definition of a high wire act. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like it, it's completely <laughs> nonsensical. But at the same time, if you get swept up in it and you just agree that it's a fantasy, mm -hmm. it's a fantastic film. Yes, it is. <laughs> and like you said, it would, it kind of had me kind of yeah pulled in, be following his story the whole time. It, and like I said, it was like what like. Yeah. I know how it feels, man, but, like, do you? Yeah. I, I don't think you've been through this. So it's just my heart just sunk for each time. I was like, oh, yeah. you need to go back to money. Oh, yeah. like, I don't know why, but that's what was my reaction, which is so kind of crazy. Because you shouldn't even, like, I don't know. Certain characters, you just, you know, you, you feel bad. Because you're like, I shouldn't even feel bad for yeah. you, but I do. There's empathy there because I know how it feels. It's I can relate. Very interesting that that was, I think, probably the first movie. And so, I mean, Alien 3 tried to but i think it's unfair to really count it as being part of his filmography in some ways seven touches on this lightly and then you know the game does and eventually panic room he deals a lot with class he does he deals a lot with uh like social class and like economic class yeah. and like what those things and, look and like specifically within america oh, which is yeah. very different yeah, than right. a lot of other places mm -hmm. that's like the American class system is very broken and yeah. very strange. I mean, because, and he does it well too. And like he you does. said about to say in Panic Room, he does it very well in Panic That's Room. That's the movie I was actually just thinking about yeah. because like, you know, talking about having some empathy for Michael Douglas's character mm -hmm. made me think about Forrest Whitaker 
in that film and the fact that mm-hmm. like he is essentially the villain yeah. until the midpoint of the movie yeah he's a robber he's going in to rob that place yeah. but like i felt bad for him at the end well it's like by the end of it you <laughs> realize that the the true villain is american money it, yeah. it's the american capitalist system or yeah and, and what then, it does for it what it does to you because to you and for you at yeah, the same it's time. for you yeah but it's, it's it's yeah you're right i mean it's for you but you don't really see that as a bad thing of what it can do for you you see more of a bad thing as what it does to you because yeah. if it can change you yeah or it can make you desperate and want to yeah. do something like get go to your, the lower part of yourself like rob and steal and yeah. kill and murder and do all that stuff i'm like yeah that ain't good well you know I me mean, the fascinating thing to me is that with the for you part you see that the only way one of these characters can end up in that situation the jodie foster character mm-hmm. being the one the only way her and her daughter can end up in that situation within the story is to be able to afford to yeah well and no, that, well, that's what was kind of fascinating maybe, to me about yeah that. and no the reason why i say that is too because if you really think about it they were going after like the buns or something that was in the house from the previous previous owner owner. they didn't even know it was there but what i was about to say is to me that was just like happenstance for timing because they really had nothing to do with why they even wanted the house in the first place so for me i was like i don't know if that's completely true i just think yeah it was circumstantial yeah (laughs) but but i get what you're saying how but if they didn't even afford to even buy the place, that they yeah. wouldn't even been there, when it, even been there when it happened. they wouldn't have been there when it happened. So it's like the circumstance only... But is... you have to ask yourself, like, who would hide that in the house? And then how would people find out so they could rob the house in the first place? Yeah. So that's why I'm, I'm like, they're just an ancillary part of the story, yeah. kind of. They kind of got swept up into oh, yeah. the whole and, chaos. And it's like, that's kind of the, the beauty of the story is that you as an audience member are never meant to really feel like she stands above these characters. Yeah. Because... That's not really the point of the story. No, never. But if you want to actually sit down and have that reading, mm-hmm. it, it exists within the film very mm-hmm. clearly, which is one of the things I think is interesting because there are not a lot of Hollywood movies starring Jodie Foster, Forrest Whitaker, Jared Leto. It's like <laughs> know. Cra- you know, uh, 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 Kristen Stewart Story, and, yeah, um, she was little, she and was little. Dwight Yoakam. And Dwight Yoakam. Like, <laughs> there are not a whole lot of hollywood movies that are made on that scale yeah that are sold as like a summertime thriller yeah that have that level of undercurrent where you can sit down and actually say there is a story about the american class system Mm -hmm. this playing underneath this that is talking about both sides yeah and i've i just realized it's probably time for me to watch that movie again yeah because i watch it at least once every year yeah i don't remember watching it this year so so i'm like i gotta like watch it i'm really 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 (laughs) hoping because I've heard that recently that there was a Blu-ray that came out. Oh, really? And you, that movie has not gotten a Blu-ray release. So if oh. I can find it, then yeah. we're definitely going to okay. watch that Blu-ray. I mean, I still have my copies. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, that's like a fantastic film. Then, of course, he does eventually traipse into sentimentality mm-hmm. with Curious Case Benjamin Button. Mm-hmm. Which was a movie that... That's one of his movies that I don't really like watching all that much. Why? What do you mean? That movie you? can make me cry. Like oh, that, yeah, it that is, is a little sad the there's something about the the level of melancholy in that movie yeah. that is just like it's intense but the film uh, but the cinematography is oh, just gorgeous the, in that the one. cinematography the performances yeah that's and that's what captivates f- me more is the cinematography i'm like oh it's yeah. just gorgeous it's gorgeous especially like the the way that whole sequence of the movie which i know is not everybody's favorite but it was kind of my favorite the whole sequence in the movie where he stows away on the ship and he ends up with Tilda Swinton yep. in the hotel. Yep. That whole sequence was so gorgeous <laughs> to me. And 
I was just like, wow, this is unbelievable. That yeah. was just one of those incredible, yeah. incredible films that didn't really get <laughs> enough credit. But that movie was actually part of the first movie we yeah. were going to uh, kind of go over, which was Zodiac. Mm-hmm. Yay. Released in 2007, it had a screenplay by James Vanderbilt. It was based on two books by Robert Graysmith, Zodiac and Zodiac Unmasked. Yes. And it had Jake Gyllenhaal, Robert Downey Jr., Mark Ruffalo, John Getz, Dermot Moroney, Anthony Edwards, Elias Coteus, Brian Cox, John Carroll Lynch, Chloe Savini, uh, Philip Baker Hall, Clea Duvall. I'm pretty sure there's a couple of people I'm missing too yeah. that like, I mean, it is just a stacked cast yeah, it is. <laughs> of people that are all showing up for essentially bit parts. Yeah. With the exception yeah. of Ruffalo, Gyllenhaal, Hall. Yep. and uh, um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. I was about to say, yeah, because Robert, Robert Downey Jr. got some time in it too. Yeah. He was, because you remember the point, he was the one he was writing the story. Robert Avery. Yeah, Robert yeah. Avery writing the story on him. So. And so, um, or I'm sorry, Paul Avery. Uh, but uh, do we say Robert Avery? I did because I'm thinking Robert Robert, I, Robert Graysmith. Oh, okay. A lot of Roberts involved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, when did you see this one? Like for the first time? Shoot, I don't even remember this one. Yeah. Unless I think I saw it for the first time with you, maybe. Yeah. I think you showed me this one. Okay. Because I don't remember seeing it like off by myself or anything. Yeah. So I think you showed me this one. This is one of the many movies of the great year of 2007. Yeah. Like, that is just like the last yeah. great film year that we've had. <laughs> I got to see this one in like a really cool and yet really tragic set of circumstances. Yeah. Where like, um, my parents had to go to a funeral of a family friend mm-hmm. and it was just like a very kind of uh, rough funeral that they were going to have to go to mm-hmm. and uh, like rougher than usual. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, cause it was one of my mom's really close friends. And so I got dropped off at the movie theater and it was a little bit of a different kind of drop off where my dad was like, I'm going to call you when I'm picking you up. Oh. And I was like, Oh, okay. Because usually I would see whatever I wanted to see and then just yeah. call him. Yeah. This one was a, I'm going to call you yeah. when it's time to come home. And wow. I was like, wow, okay. So I ended up seeing three movies that day. They're all <laughs> now favorites of mine. The first one was super bad. Okay. And then I got out of super bad and I snuck over to The Host. Okay. Which we watched recently. Yeah. The Bong Joon-ho movie. Mm-hmm. And then I finished the night with Zodiac. Oh, that's awesome. The screening of Zodiac had me just floored. <laughs> I walked into it with zero context. Yeah. I had I didn't realize it was David Fincher's new movie. Okay. I didn't know what it was. I just I saw the poster outside. I was like, oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And then I walked in the movie and I was like, I don't. I didn't even know how long it was. Yeah. My dad called me in the middle of the movie. I didn't even pick up because I was just so engaged. <laughs> I, mean, I, like, I would have finished. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, and it still had probably another like hour and forty minutes left. Oh. Like. I, I had no conception of what this thing was. I just knew that I was swept up into it. Yeah. And I have been ever since. Mm-hmm. It's one of those movies that every time I watch it, I'm just like, I don't know how you do this. <laughs> but um, did you have, like, when you saw the movie, like, really much of any awareness about even that case? No, of course not. Yeah. I didn't even know it was real. Because when I first watched it, I just thought it was, like, made for the movie. Yeah. It was you who told me that it was a rookie. And I was like, this is real? You were yeah. like, yeah, it's based on a real story. Like, this actually happened. I was like, oh. Yeah. So I was actually pretty floored when I found out that it yeah. was, like, real. It, I think because, like, when you watch Seven, Seven almost functions. Like, people really think that John Doe's a real serial killer. Oh, okay. And it, it because it does feel, mm-hmm. there's something that feels a little off mm-hmm. about it, a little weird about it, where it does feel like almost like, this guy might have really existed. Yeah. Or is at least based on somebody <laughs> who really did this. 
And then Zodiac is interesting in that, like, if you don't really know the case, you could end up thinking what I thought, which was that he Fargoed it. Oh, he Fargoed. Yep. And based on true events, <laughs> and it wasn't true at all. <laughs> and I, I kind of walked out of it thinking, like, oh, that's interesting. And then, of course, the, it, it was fun because that summer we went out to Hawaii, mm-hmm. and my brother starts talking about the case, and he knew that case front and back. Okay. And so we actually spent the entire summer mm-hmm. watching that movie, Bullet, which of course is today, you know, Steve McQueen stole his stuff from Dave Toski, mm-hmm. and um, uh, Dirty Harry, a mm-hmm. few other movies that were kind of Zodiac inspired and eating a lot of animal crackers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so much fun. Yeah. But that is like one of my my favorites of his. Like, where does that one kind of sit for you? Um, Zodiac? Yeah. Oh, I don't know because I, I've never thought about it in those terms. It's, yeah. it's good. I like it for what it is, but it's never been something I thought about too much, honestly. Yeah. I think that's more of your movie because <laughs> that's not anything I've ever thought about really. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. It's yeah. good. Yeah. It's it, not too wild for me. It's just, it's yeah. good. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting movie. The reason I ask that question is because like, I always find it fascinating when people talk about Fincher to see his movies are so different from one another. Yeah. But also so similar at the same time. Yeah. It's always interesting for me to see which ones people latch on to. Yeah. I feel like his career is varied enough from whether he's doing one of the serial killer movies, one of his thrillers, or even The Social Network, Shenor. which we just yeah. talked about which recently. Which I absolutely love that one. I And like, you know, if it's I or Benjamin Button mm-hmm. or, you know, even kind of going into some of his later stuff, one of which we were also going to cover, which is Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Mm-hmm. And... That one, yeah, it was a 2011 release that um, was an inter- like a, kind of an interesting movie because it was kind of by and large considered a failure to some degree. But it was based on the Steve Larson book. It was uh, the screenplay was by Steve Zalian. It had Daniel Craig, Rooney Mara, Christopher Plummer, Stellan Skarsgård, Robin Wright. I'm, it, it, this is another one where I'm pretty sure I'm missing a couple of people. Um, and then of course Trent Atticus did yeah. an amazing score for the mm-hmm. movie. But um, this was kind of another one that was mm-hmm. like very, it was very, very different for him to just yeah. suddenly decide to take this on. Yeah. But we just rewatched this one also. How did you feel going back to this one? This one was good. I mean, you know me. Yeah. I kind of still like. Oh, yeah. The, the original. original. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't bad. Yeah. So I will say that. I still like Rooney Mar in it. I still like um, Daniel Craig. Yeah. I still like all the characters, but like. And of course, Stellan Skarsgård, yeah. like he's just awesome he's and phenomenal. Unbelievable yeah, movie. so I still like it, but my, you know, the originals yeah. are my favorite. The one with um, Numi Pace. That's the one I like the most. Yeah. And you know, because you had gave them to me, and plus yeah. the sequel. So I'm like, I like those better because I actually like it in the Swedish version. I actually yeah. just like watching the subtitles and like watching it like that. I think that the Swedish version are. Better at telling that story. Mm-hmm. I think the Fincher one is better at the tone. Oh, it's better at the tone and it's prettier. Like, yeah. once again, the cinematography, yeah. it is so is, beautiful. Yeah. So you can't say nothing. You can't ever tell what, what his films look like. Like, don't ever, you yeah. can't ever question it. Because to me, they're beautiful. Yeah. They're I'm, art. They're like art right in front of they you. They are. Especially like... I was so struck watching it this time, which, I mean, I'd always noticed it, but I was extra struck this time around watching it and noticing the Stellan Skarsgård's torture chamber. Yeah. 
And like it is such a gorgeous torture chamber. It is. It's nice. It's too nice for a torture chamber. It's really nice for a torture chamber. It is chamber. like so like antiseptically yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. And you seen the big old bottle of hand sanitizer yeah. was sent off on the little surgical tray yeah. and he had gloves right there and all that stuff. And I was just like, oh my gosh. But it was beautiful because he yeah. also had some leather seats down there, like sofa. Yeah, he did. Sets. And yeah. he, he said he can sit down there and enjoy a bottle, like like a little glass of like what what do he have? Like he had like whiskey. Whiskey yeah. and like or scotch. Yeah, it was a scotch or yeah. whiskey that he was like sipping on. Yeah. Oh, and it was hilarious. What he puts in Daniel Yeah, it's like Daniel Craig is like tied up. And he said, Here, you he was like, You dropped it. He dropped your but, drink. But he's tied up, so how he's gonna finish drinking it? Yeah. So that was so pummeled. So that just, part was funny. So he's just like hanging there with the drink, drink in his hand. Just stuck. He can't even look into his mouth because yeah. like he's tied up. So it's no. like, why what was the point in that? But that was funny. That movie was Phil uh, that was the thing that really surprised when we were watching it was how much we were laughing yeah we did i didn't remember it being as funny as this but that movie is like ferociously funny we did laugh like, i realized that but you know what when i first saw it i don't remember laughing i you know i don't really either i'm I, re-watching it, I'm, i know that i did okay but i just don't remember i don't that. remember it at like, all that yeah. none of that now i find things like that funny sometimes yeah. but i didn't laugh when i first saw it i i thought that movie i mean like I was just was floored how much we were laughing. Because <laughs> for some reason, what I kind of remembered about that movie, and it just goes to show like how long it's been since I've seen it. Yeah. Kind of the main thing that I really remember about that movie was um, uh, just how well cast, even if I don't necessarily think that they got those specific characters exactly right. Okay. How well cast Daniel Craig and Rooney Mara were as a team. Oh, yeah, they were. Now, I will admit that they were. I forgot that it took us an hour to get to them teaming <laughs> oh, up. Oh yeah. That we're watching mm-hmm. their stories completely separate mm-hmm. for like a full hour. Yep. And then they team up. Mm-hmm. And it But made... you know what I was about to say about that too? I didn't even notice that. You know who had so yeah. told me you were like, you know it's an hour into the movie and they're just now meeting. And I was like, what? Yeah. I didn't even realize that it had been like an hour into the film yeah. before they even met. Because like it's it's move like it, the movie is paced extremely well, yeah. And that is one thing that makes me curious to rewatch the Swedish ones. Is to I don't really remember if the pacing was. I think it was a little faster. I, at I, least I thought yeah. it was a little more like faster pace, but maybe a not. Shorter movie. Is it shorter? I think so. Yeah, I think it is shorter because this one was two forty, and I think the Swedish one is like an hour. 40 really like an hour 50 well, I'm gonna maybe look it up two hours at the most i really don't remember how long it is i just remember i love the swedish version yeah that like i love that the most well it's fascinating because when we were looking it up the other day i never really realized that that was a recut of a tv series yeah that they had actually done the full trilogy yeah as a series and recut it but you know what's so funny is that kind of when you first look up the girl the dragon tattoo the first thing they pull up is the um is the Daniel Craig one? Yeah, yeah, they don't pull up like the like the original. The, yeah, I think it's uh, it was released in two thousand nine, the okay. original. But um, it was very very fun though going back and looking at how good of a team that they were. Yeah, you're right. It was two thousand nine. It was two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then um, but it was it was a lot of fun going back and looking at what a good team they were. It made me really really sad. Yeah. When we were watching it, that we didn't get the sequel. Yeah. Because I was like, this is one of the few times that... That was actually longer. Was it really? Yes. It said three hours and six minutes. For the... The Swedish version. Oh, yes. wow. Okay. 
I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah. For some reason, I thought it was a lot shorter. That's than why that. when you said that, I was like, was it shorter? I was like, oh, I don't remember being wow, shorter. Okay. I, I thought that it was actually like a lot <laughs> Yeah, but I, it, I knew it was. Because I was like, I remember watching it. It was not that short. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what? It was shorter? Oh, so t- okay. It, it was actually, so the, the American release was 153 minutes. Okay, got you. Okay. So, yeah. So, it was actually about the same. Oh, so it was about the same. Yeah, okay. so it was actually very close to the same. Yeah. Um, which is weird, because I remember it being shorter, so it probably is paced a lot faster. Yeah. The Fincher one is kind of like a, we're going to unfurl. Yeah. Very slowly. Yeah. And I like that about it. Yeah. I like that it had that, because like you said, it's so pretty to look at. It is. That it was nice kind of having that kind of luxurious pace until it just kind of ramps up. Yeah. Also fascinating to me that for a filmmaker that is, we so often talk about how violent some of his movies are, Mm -hmm. how kind of like sadistic and subversive they are. The other thing I realized when we were watching that movie was I was like, there's like three scenes of like real hard violence in this movie. Mm -hmm. There's the first assault with (laughs) Numi Rapace. Yes. And then there's Oh, are you talking about the Swedish version? In, in, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry with Rooney Mara. Okay. Um, in the one that we were watching yesterday. Mm-hmm. The, the Swedish version I remember actually being relatively violent. Yeah, it was. By comparison. But that one's still violent. When I it, saw it, I was like, ooh, I don't even remember this happening. <laughs> it was still very violent, but I, I, I thought it was very funny how much more of the movie is just people in rooms looking at computer screens. Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. And then, like... <laughs> a large portion of that movie is just people sitting in rooms <laughs> staring at computer screens you have the first assault with with yeah. Rooney mara yes then you have the revenge assault yes and then you have the Stellan Skarsgård torture chamber yep and that's it yep that's really the only violence in the whole entire movie yep that is it so that was like kind of funny going back and looking at it, being like, "Oh wow, this is nowhere near as like graphic as we often talk about it." That was funny. You said just when people was in your room. <laughs> <laughs> he he kind of did two of those in a row, didn't yeah. he? Because Social Network was yeah, that, and I then mean, he, yeah, and then he does the thriller version of it, which yeah. Try and but there's always him. amazing stories that surrounds it, so oh, that's yeah. the great thing. Absolutely. But it's just the way the way yeah. you kind of just like downsized it to like. <laughs> this is funny okay i mean you know that's kind of what i mean if you really look at like on a literal level that's essentially what both of those movies are yes but of course like you said there's tremendous stories surrounding them so it's like they're they're (laughs) unbelievably engaging watches don't not watch the movie yeah just because you think that it's just gonna be people staring at computers all day in rooms (laughs) in rooms (laughs) in very cold rooms yeah yeah in rooms in the middle of sweden (laughs) freezing cold (laughs) so silly but um he also after that one he did another girl movie which was was gone girl oh yeah gone girl and like that was one that i'll tell you that was one of my favorite theatrical movies that we've seen Mm -hmm. you know like to in the last 10 years yeah that was uh, a fantastic film that I, one once again as well that's like you could you could yeah. tell his style yeah and the way he likes to film his stuff because all Gorgeous his movies are so movie. smooth beautiful yeah. pretty. they're like a painting they are they're like a painting <laughs> yeah. they're so beautiful and smooth and just they are. the way his colors are in his films like yeah. that's what i'm more captivated by than anything yeah same here it's like that's that's one of the many things like mm-hmm. i also am obsessed with the way that he frames faces yeah 
There's something about it. he has a way of cutting into a close up of somebody looking essentially into the camera mm-hmm. that just works yeah. so beautifully. Like every time that he does something like that. Yeah. But because um, the one I immediately thought about that I absolutely loved was uh, Edward Norton and um, Fight Club mm-hmm. when he's talking about the uh, uh, different therapy groups that he's going to. Yeah. And he's got this line where he says, I became addicted. And it cuts as close of his face. Yeah. And there's like this classical music going. And he's looking right into the camera. And then you realize that the subjective POV is him looking at a sheet of paper that he tears off a wall. Yeah. And the way he did that shot, you were just like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and then of course he does it again with... Uh, girl with a dragon yep. tattoo where you know she looks right at us and just says may i kill him yeah that part was awesome and then she just got on her motorcycle and just chased him just down went after okay. him yeah oh man that yeah. was great now was i will good. say from the distance she was from that explosion she likely would have died yeah i remember you were saying that you were like she yeah. should have got some of the shards and yeah. some of the pieces that were flying There's... and you were like she didn't even get touched <laughs> you know that's one of the funny things too is you know it's like david fencher is often criticized as being both criticized and revered, depending on who you're talking to, mm-hmm. as being this extremely meticulous filmmaker, like yeah. this like obsessive, meticulous filmmaker. Yeah. But I was like, but when I watch his movies, one thing that always strikes me is the fact that he he may be in terms of how many takes that he does and all this other silly stuff. But he is definitely the director of Hollywood movies. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you say that? Like because a little thing you have to suspend so much disbelief when you watch his movies but in a good way yeah you you. know in the way that like movies can make you suspend your disbelief like you're right you're right there's yes if you were talking about on a realistic level Mm -hmm. and he was really as meticulous as we all talk about that explosion would have wiped her out and killed her yeah but it looks so badass that, like, <laughs> that you just didn't even think yeah, about it. No, you part. have no reason to think <laughs> yeah, about it. It just looks it. so badass that you're just like, no, this is great. Yeah. I love it. But, um, That's funny. But then, yeah, it's like when he does Gone Girl. That was a movie that ruffled a lot of feathers Ooh. when that came out. It's a rough movie. Yeah, it is. I absolutely adore it. <laughs> I think that, that is, that's actually the one that I personally think that's one of his funniest films. Yeah, it is funny. That movie can really, really, really make me laugh because that <laughs> is a movie that is almost like like in love with its gallows humor on an Anthony <laughs> Jeselnik-esque level. Yeah. Like, it, it is definitely like intentionally poking and prodding you yeah. from beginning to end yeah. and saying like, don't you find this funny? Yeah. Don't you find this funny? Yeah. <laughs> I told you he has like you said you said Gallo's human, but I'm like, it's a little it's incredibly morbid too. It is. It it's is incredibly morbid. morbid. <laughs> so he does like, <laughs> he has a very morbid, very dark sense <laughs> of humor. Right. That, like if you enjoy if you have a similar sense of humor, his movies are quite funny. Yeah, it's yeah. But especially Gone Girl, where it's like I almost do kind of like in my personal time consider that a comedy. Wow, <laughs> you know, that's it's like, funny. I understand that it's a thriller for most people. Yeah, for me, it's kind of a comedy. <laughs> I do find well, it that very funny. Well, that tells you your kind of humor. <laughs> <laughs> There's just something about like just the all the way down to the absurdity of when she um, kills Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, yeah, and she cuts his throat, and it's just like. What? It's like Kill Bill levels of blood. Yeah, it is. That come out. Yeah. And it's like, I just start cracking up. It's just like so <laughs> absurd and ridiculous. And it, 
It is literally well, like... Well, that doesn't happen if you've been moving and your adrenaline is pumping. And you know why? I know that it's true. Okay, so true story. It's really weird. It's off to yeah. the side, but it's true story. So when I was um, a little younger, I was in like middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my brothers, they were like joking and playing around. Yeah. Truly true story. <laughs> and my brother, they were picking with each other. And then all of a sudden, my one of my... The brother that's right below me... He's right under me. He takes yeah. off running right from the kitchen into the living room. And he was going to head out the front door because he was just bothering the younger brothers. Right. Yeah. So the younger brother was just like, leave me alone. And out of nowhere, he was fixing a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Uh-huh. He throws the knife he was fixing the peanut butter and jelly sandwich with. Hits my brother that was running out the door right in the leg perfectly. And the blood was squirting out everywhere like he had just been Taught like saw, yeah. but he had only had this. He only had like a a, a slightly deep yeah. gash in his leg, yeah. but it it was gushing out. Yeah, like he had just got his leg sawed off. Yeah, yeah, cause he had just been like running. Yep. So I'm like, that's believable to me because I saw it firsthand. Oh, yeah. Somebody, Absolutely. this actually happened to. Absolutely. Like I know this is weird to, a story to say, but it did happen. Yeah. My brother, like at the end of the day, was so funny because he was like, I didn't even mean to throw the knife. <laughs> He didn't mean to throw the knife yeah. because it was actually like, I can't even remember. I think it was slightly sharper than a butter knife. So I don't yeah. even think it was a butter knife. I think it was slightly yeah. sharper than a butter knife, yeah. but it wasn't like he meant yeah. to actually. It's probably like one of the knives that we have. We yeah. used to like toast that, and stuff. Yes, that, that's like, the yeah, one we they, have with the ridges. Like the serrated yeah, edge, but it has the serrated. It has a point. Yeah. Yes. It was actually exactly right. It was one yeah. of those knives. He was fixing a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with. My brother was bothering him and yeah. he was like, stop. And it was like automatic instinct. Whatever was in his hand, he let it go. Yeah. And it flew right into my brother's leg perfectly <laughs> oh, while, like his leg was out halfway out the door and it, it, it literally stuck him right in the leg. Ooh. And then as you know, I heard my brother go, ow, ow, ow. And he went down. And, I, <laughs> oh, no. and, and you know what's so bad? Yeah. I was sitting there right there in the living room watching TV. And because I was so engulfed, I didn't even see the knife get thrown. And I didn't even hear it hit the floor. Yeah. Like, I just, my, I heard my brother saying, yes, I turned around. And he was like, ow. And I was like, what? And then you know, I just saw blood gushing on the floor. And I'm like, yeah. what the heck just happened? Yeah. I didn't even know he had thrown a knife. We didn't hear it. We didn't see it. Yeah. It just, all of a sudden, I just saw blood like gushing out of my brother's leg. And yeah. I'm like, what the heck did you do? <laughs> that is my story. A little size story. Well, you know, I had a similar thing when I cut my hand when I was working at this warehouse. I was using a, um, a, a box cutter. Mm-hmm. Like, but it was one of the, I don't know if you remember why I used to bring this home. Mm-hmm. It was a box cutter that had this really long blade so you can snap off oh. the blade and it would just get shorter and shorter. So yeah. it's this really long blade that had a bunch of like little like perforations oh. and you took the bottom of the knife out and you would pop it mm-hmm. and then you now have like a fresh oh. piece of the blade. Okay. While I was trying to get something open, I of course am right-handed. Oh. The angle I had to stand at to cut this thing open, I had to use my left hand. Oh. And hand goes. The blade broke, and I just saw metal and a spark, and then my hand opened up, and there was blood everywhere. Everywhere. Like, immediately. Wow. (laughs) And I went into the thing, and they washed me up, and Mm -hmm. then one of the, the guy who owned the place came over and said, Hey Scott, can you, can you pass a drug test? And if not, and, you know, just 
this didn't happen here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness, this is bad. <laughs> that always kind of made me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> but um, real quick before we do The Killer, because okay. that's up next. Mm-hmm. Um, Fincher also did uh, three things that a lot of, uh, they're, they're very interesting to me. They're probably the most interesting projects that he had. Mm-hmm. He did the first episode of House of Cards. Yeah. Now, we tried to watch House of Cards together. Mm-hmm. I never, I mean, I don't know. We don't ne- yeah, we never fully got into it. No, I, I We saw maybe did. like the first season and then we were like, uh, yeah. we never finished it I, after I that. I never really fully got into really it. got into that show. Mm-hmm. Like, it was one of the shows that I always wanted to. Mm-hmm. And then every single time I started watching yeah. it, was just, it was kind of very similar to, um, I don't know what it is about shows like that. Yeah. That for some reason I really like, like, the Sorkin ones, I really like West Wing in the newsroom, but when it comes to like Succession and House of Cards, mm-hmm. just kind of like, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, yeah, I it's sometimes you know those shows because of the tone and the subject matter. Yeah. Sometimes I wish it was better than what it was. Yeah. Because by the time you watch it, you're like, it's good, but it's not what I thought. I thought yeah. it was going to be, like, amazing. Like, you know, like, action pack or, like, just so amazing you can't take your eyes from the TV. Yeah. And it wasn't like that for me. Yeah, you know, like, if there's any one thing that I feel like streaming can do that mm-hmm. I don't think that they've done. So if anybody out there goes and does this, they can just send me a check. Yeah. <laughs> as being the one that the gave creator. you this idea. <laughs> the one thing that streaming can do that... TV can't do mm-hmm. and movies in the theater can't do. Yes. That is very cool to me. Okay. Is if you really, really wanted to. Yeah. You could take something like House of Cards mm-hmm. and make a two hour movie mm-hmm. or a two and a half hour movie. Yeah. Put it up on Netflix and if it does well and everybody likes the characters, you can make another one that comes out next year. Oh. And every year oh. we could get a new two and a half hour or three hour movie. Okay. About these characters that we're yeah. in love with, and it's that's all it is, oh. and it's the perfect portion size. Yeah, it's just right. It's mm-hmm. a it's a film, but at the same time, like it's like you don't have to watch six hours of this. Yeah. We don't need five hours of padding for one good hour. You know, mm-hmm. it's like we don't you don't really need that. You can like I think I talked to you about like that's how I wish they had done Ozark. Yeah, I remember when you told me that because Ozark to me every single season had two brilliant hours. Yeah, yeah. That were surrounded with eight other hours. That <laughs> you were kind of like, <laughs> why is this necessary? Yeah. And so I was just like, but I liked it enough. I didn't have that kind of sympathy yeah. because I liked it enough to where I didn't feel that way. But I'm, I'm not saying it was like. The best show, but I didn't yeah. feel that way the way you're describing it. I, the way that I really kind of feel about it is I'm like, a lot of these things that are getting shows, I feel like you could just do a two hour or two and a half hour or three hour movie. Yeah. And then when it does really good, you just go like, well, we're going to do the next one. Yeah. You know, and, that, and then each year it's just kind of like, oh, wow, there's a new House of Cards movie out. And I just, that's one thing that streaming can do that they've never actually tried. Yeah. To do, I mean, the closest they've gotten to try and do that was still a series, but I would, I would argue that some of the the series were almost like four hour movies or mm-hmm. five hour movies, which was um, Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah. I think you can argue that like some of those seasons are essentially they're less TV shows and yeah, more yeah. Yeah. just movies that can't fit into a theater. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, you're right. And, I mean, you're right. And, and like that's the closest they've ever gotten. Mm-hmm. But I was like. What if you just do like a contained yeah. film? <laughs> and then the the other one that Fincher did that um 
was also a Netflix series, of course, was Mindhunter. Oh, yes, Mindhunter. I remember Mindhunter. I thought that show, especially the first season, Mm -hmm. was phenomenal. Yeah, the first season was amazing. I can't lie, I lost my kind of interest in it a little bit in the second, but I still saw all of it. Yeah. But my my interest did wane. now. But it, like, the first season, I was so into it. I think it's fair to say that the second season loses a lot of its luster in general, and I think that that is... By and large, something that you can attribute to David Fincher himself. Yeah, Fincher was shooting a lot of that show here in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and wanted to go home. His daughter was going into college, Aww. and he was just like, "I, I'm really homesick." Yeah, he just did not enjoy being on that second season, yeah. and I feel like you can feel it in the show. Okay, I when I watch that show, it does mm-hmm. feel a little bit kind of like it's missing its captain yeah. a tiny bit. Okay, okay, and I, I think that that was important because I think he was just kind of like, I'm ready to get out of here. Like, I'm just, I like this in concept, but I wish we could shoot it all in my backyard. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then the movie he did right before this one is a movie that I am just absolutely obsessed with that a lot of people hate, which is Mank. Okay. Okay. That one was okay for me too. Yeah. I wasn't super like drawn to it, but it was okay. I am like almost unhealthily obsessed with this movie at this point. Yeah, you are. (laughs) I think it is one of the... There is a whole other podcast that can be done about Mank that would be like just probably me by myself just monologuing about Mank. (laughs) I think that a solid case can be made very similar to this one. Yeah. I think a solid case can be made that that is a very personal film to David Fincher that speaks a lot to... Him talking about the entire idea of media misinformation. Yeah. And I think that that's what that movie is about. Okay. All the way down to its own decisions to change yeah. known pieces of the story of the creation of Citizen Kane. Yeah. And for dramatic effect. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is the most important thing to think about when you're thinking of media misinformation is how much of it is done for dramatic effect. Yeah, you're right. Because no, you're the right. reality is, is especially in a culture where we all have to click on something. Mm-hmm. You're gonna click on the most dramatic thing. Oh yeah, we all do. Of course. <laughs> yeah, we do. You're and right. he just kind of showed us that yeah. that was a thing even back before the internet. Yep, yep. He and it, it was just as bad. You had one guy that controlled <laughs> mm-hmm. all of the news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff there. Um, but now, of course, that brings us to the killer. The killer. How did you feel about this one? It was okay. Yeah, like I wasn't like super like you know, big on it. Yeah. But it was okay. It was yeah. okay. That's, I mean, I get the story because we yeah. we had that conversation where I yeah. got it and I was, but yeah, it was okay for me. Yeah. Like it wasn't something that was just super amazing. It was okay. Yeah. I I really, really liked it. It's the yeah. movie that I've seen this year that I'm the most excited to rewatch. Okay. Um, my both, you know my two. You're, I got two. You're still on, so right now, so what are our current, I guess we can just re- do a quick recap. Yeah. <laughs> Since now we're nearing that part of the year where we're about to be watching all of the movies getting released for the end of the year. Yeah. But uh, and now we're actually covering some of them. But yeah. so you've had so far. What What are your your top ones right now? I don't know. I don't have like a big list, but I yeah. will say like I don't either. Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon yeah. are my top two. Yeah. They are definitely in my top two, man. Yeah. Like they were just phenomenal. Yeah. I I think for me it's it's. Those two, The Killer and Evil Dead Rise. The, oh, okay. Those are. See, yeah, you let you. Do, I didn't even watch that one. Yeah, so, yeah. The, those are my four right yeah. now. Like, <laughs> and the, and it's crazy to me that there's been so much stuff that's gotten released this yeah. year 
and those are kind of the only four movies that I, I really, really loved. And like, I only told you two, so yeah. that's why I'm like, whoo, I tell you. <laughs> and, and even with The Killer, like, I think I, I, I think I enjoy more how I felt about the movie than necessarily 100% the movie itself. Got you. Okay. But like... Yeah, I don't know. So, like, yeah. it, but that still plays a big factor into how you like something, you know, yeah. how you love or hate something. So it does, it so. does. And like, <laughs> it definitely is like a, a thing where there. Are, I don't know. I definitely need to rewatch this movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess we we can say very quickly that the movie, of course, is directed by David Fincher, with mm-hmm. screenplay by Andrew Kevin Walker. It's based on a graphic novel by um, Alexis Nolent, who goes by uh, a pen name of Mats, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Luke Jacquemont, um, and stars Michael Fassbender, Arliss Howard, uh, Charles Parnell, uh, Tilda Swinton. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm missing some other people in this movie, but like some of the people in this movie, I actually just don't really even recognize. Yeah, like. Um, I don't really know Sophie Charlotte, who plays his girlfriend. I thought mm-hmm. she did phenomenal yeah. for her, you know, little bit that she has in the movie. Yeah. But I don't really know her yeah, as an actor. Me either. I, I, there was a lot of people who showed up in this movie that I was just kind of like, I don't know who these people are. are. <laughs> but um, talking about the movie, I mean, it was mm-hmm. like we we kind of talked about this a little bit. But one of the things I think is interesting is the comparisons this movie is getting to Fight Club. Yeah. Most of the comparisons are not very favorable because yeah. mostly people are like why isn't he doing something complicated like fight club yeah thing that i think is really cool about this movie is this movie to me plays like it is a movie made about the fans yeah. of fight club mm-hmm. like the people that hold the fight club philosophies to be real mm-hmm. this guy is like this killer the killer the michael fossman yeah. character mm-hmm. is kind of a moron in my opinion <laughs> <laughs> he is a little bit you know yeah. but you could tell that it's time for him to kind of it's funny to say this term, yeah. but age out. Yeah. Like, it's time yeah. for him. He, like, he basically ages out. Because, yeah. I mean, when you, like you said, when you kind of look at his philosophy and how he did things for so long, yeah. you saw you saw it no longer working. Uh-huh. Like, for me, it was almost like, well, maybe it worked. <laughs> maybe it worked. At a, point, a certain point in, the, in his life, it probably did work. That yeah. was a mantra that he could hold on to and keep true. I'm like, now, no. It's changed. Things have changed. So it's almost like he aged out of being an yeah. assassin. So it's, or like, you know. I mean, it's maybe like the funniest thing to me is that like, we were saying this when we first talked about the movie. That it, this is a movie about a person who's in a perpetual state of arrested development. Yeah. He just happens to also kill people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I was like, he's aging out because yeah. his, he's trying to keep the mind, the same mindset for the same job that is not just no longer works. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because one of the perfect examples is like how he walks away from the house after he got into that big fight in Miami. Oh, I with love the that Latin part. guy. Yeah. yeah. And when he walks out, he's just limping something fierce. Yeah. Like you could just tell, like yeah. almost almost if it's almost like he was saying to himself while while he's walking, like if if I could imagine that dialogue, he'd be like Oh, I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> like I could see that coming out of his mouth as he was yeah. walking back to the car. Yeah. It's just a legal weapon moment. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I saw. So I was like, this just seemed like a yeah. man that just, it's, it's no longer what you should be doing. It's, no. it's done. It's yeah. over. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and that was the thing that I, I really, really liked how like throughout the whole entire thing, you know, he's like waxing philosophical yeah. about all these, especially like, um, there's the part where he goes in to see his old boss. Mm-hmm. 
Or, you know, his, not old boss, but his boss I mean, I guess they became old once he... (laughs) Old after a second. I know. But uh, he goes in to see his boss, and he ends up shooting him with this nail gun. Yeah. And the guy starts drowning on his own blood. Yep. And he starts in his narration going, this many nails, it should take him about six minutes... <laughs> it's yes. like the guy's already dead. You're just sitting there, just like, oh my god, and this guy's just an like, idiot. okay, I miscalculated that, and I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I was just like, this guy is such an idiot. And then you know, you have him come in and talk to the woman. She's like, you know, please don't. Yeah. Hey, my, you can't just make me disappear. My children need my life insurance. Yeah. And him just like empathy is weakness and then he just lets her loose yeah he lets you know, her like, loose and he <laughs> takes her around to do his business with her like and while the, she's and in the car sure that she's gonna get found yeah he makes sure she got found so, and so i mean you're just like wait a minute <laughs> and then the other i mean probably the thing that i love the most is throughout the entire movie he has this mantra adapt don't improvise yeah and he's improvising the whole we way. watch him improvise <laughs> for two straight hours <laughs> oh man so he is not a man of his word that is so funny because he did everything he said yeah everything happened like opposite of what happened so it's funny and i mean all the way down to even the music i mean of course the soundtrack is something that Mm -hmm. clicks directly for us because Mm -hmm. it's all the smiths yep but like um one of the things i find so funny is that that's all that he's listening to (laughs) yeah you really get the sense of somebody like when you look at his age. Yeah. It's like that was his music from 13, 14. Maybe and even into college. Cause he maybe had went even to college. into college. You remember he was going to school yeah. for like law or something yeah. like that. And then like. He may have been a bit like um, uh, Charlie from uh, Perks and Mary Wallflower. Yep. And discovered the Smiths as he was going yep. into college. Yep. And <laughs> you know like right when he got into high school. And it's like he that's the only music he listens yeah. to. Yeah. And you're just kind of like, dude, it, like, what? <laughs> like, this is a guy who is just stuck. Yeah, he is. Like, right there in this yes. one place. But you can tell that everything else is changing and growing, even him. He's growing yeah. old, but he's still trying to keep the same mantras with the same attitude, yeah. doing the same job. And he, it was just, it wasn't working anymore. Yeah. To me, him, what he was saying and then what was happening was a perfect example that it just wasn't working anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was like, that's when you know it's time to move on for life. Like, from something in your life yeah. is when it's just no longer working. Yeah. No matter how much life you speak into it, it's no yeah. longer working. And then, I, what are your feelings on Arliss Howard being the, the one that gets to live at the end? It's like, he he takes out everybody, and then he gets to Arliss Howard. Yeah, I think he was the one that should have died the most. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's the one that deserved it the most. I think so too. And it's it's And cool. he's the one that got left alive. And I yeah. was just like, why? Like you deserve this the most and yet you're the one that got left alive. Yeah. So that didn't make sense to me. And well one of the things that I think is so hilarious is how similar the killer is to him. But yeah, but guess what? You remember you even said it when he was like showed no empathy and all of a sudden he showed the woman empathy. That last character truly had none. It was just like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. there was no emotional attachment to any of it. I would have just took him out. Yeah. I would have took him out. Well, I mean, one of the things I think is so hilarious is that when we meet him, like in that final moment between the two of them, mm-hmm. he's walking out of his wine cellar with two bottles in his hand. Mm-hmm. And it's just him by himself. See? And he's like, <laughs> what do I get to choose? Yeah. 
douche. And, <laughs> oh my gosh. That's why I was like, no. No, and I'm just talking about the character, of course. Uh, but yeah, like of course, yeah. But I was just like, no, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like uh, to me he deserved he deserved to die no more because he had he was truly heartless. There was yeah. nothing in it for him. No. He literally was just like us. Basically, we were supposed to kill her. Yeah. But we didn't. Oh, we didn't. And, and like, I thought it was so hilarious. They have him talking just going like, look, I'm new to this. I put 150000 to escrow and I just forgot about it. Like, mm-hmm. I, uh, I yeah. you're like, you ordered another man's life mm-hmm. to be lost. Yep. I, it, like, no matter how I bad know. all of you are. Yeah. With it, like, you know, I. All of you seem to be shady mm-hmm. with all of your millions, mm-hmm. but like, I was just like, no matter how bad all of you are, you still ordered for another life to be taken. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Something tells me that maybe if the story had extended or if there was another part to it, maybe we'd see how bad he would get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I can imagine Fossbender's character coming back for him later, mm-hmm. but I wanted to see it now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and that was the thing I wanted to see that now him avenge that right now I wanted yeah. to see that so well I, I thought it was hilarious especially that at the end he says that he's one of the many yeah he's like you know that's all I am is just one of the many and he goes and sits down yeah in his on a secluded man, vacation on his secluded, that looked like a, it looked yeah, like a secluded his vacation secluded home in the Dominican Republic <laughs> That's like a McMansion. Yeah. That he just sits down. Yeah. And he doesn't have to work. He makes a perfect cup of like thousand dollar coffee. <laughs> with, complete with orange peel. <laughs> brings it over to his girl. And then just sits. And that's their day. Yeah. And he's like, I am one of the many. And I'm like, yeah, And you're yeah, like, probably. no, you're exactly <laughs> like the one person that you spared yeah. that should have died. Yeah, that probably should have died. <laughs> yeah no you're right you're just like him and maybe that's why he didn't kill him because he saw himself in him yeah i don't know so maybe that's why he didn't kill I, him. I, I that's the only thing that you but i mean he was a like you said he was kind of he was a douche too yeah, like in was. that sense because when you think about him remember all the stuff he's saying then he shot the girl yeah. in the beginning and he missed the man and he was like oops yeah <laughs> like and he just totally missed yeah and, and when you look at the man at the end i'm like y'all are one of the same yeah. you're one of the same oh my gosh <laughs> yeah it's kind of mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, I did love that fight, though. Okay. The the fight in the house. Yeah, the, the I like guy. that, too. Yeah. That was, like, a they live fight. Oh, like, it just man. goes it was on brutal. and on. It was so and on. brutal. It was so brutal. Yeah. And it just keeps going. Yes. It just doesn't stop. And I was just so worried for Fussman. Even though I had no business being worried for that man. I was so worried because <laughs> <laughs> that so, dude was bigger than him. So we felt bad for the millionaire <laughs> that we shouldn't have felt bad for. And now we're worried for this. You know, <laughs> the sociopathic killer. Yes, because they have no business with yeah. what they were doing. Yeah. It seemed like they ended up in odd places, and it wasn't their place. So they was totally like they were getting like demolished yeah. in whatever circumstance they were in because yeah. they weren't used to it. Think about it. Michael Fassbender's character was used to being he's a he's a, a, a what you call it like a gunman. So yeah. like. He shoots from far distances yeah. and he snipes you. Like he's an assassin. Like he he's a snipe. Like he snipes yeah. you from across like a building. You know, yeah. so he has no business but, doing like hand to hand combat. Uh, and then like it was funny too because even in the beginning, like for the way the stuff that this guy says and the stuff that you see him actually do, you're just like you're the epitome of that guy who like talks hard like he's Tyler Durden. Yeah, 
And yeah. then in reality, you're just yeah. like, Ugh. and for some reason, I still felt yeah. bad for them because they were just. It felt like they were out of like yeah. out of their comfort zone because, and they felt like they were flailing out of their comfort zone. Yeah. So, and I feel bad for people like that, even though I know I don't feel bad in a sense like, oh, like yeah. you know, yeah. but I, but it's it's when you yeah, see it's just a human, yeah, yeah, it's a human thing. It's like yeah. when you see them how they're reacting and in a different environment than they're used to you're yeah. kind of like you feel kind of bad like oh you're supposed to be here are you yeah because <laughs> like one of the things that i thought was so funny about it was like when um you know he's in the, in the beginning of the movie he makes this comment which I, I didn't think about this until just now the beginning of the movie he makes this comment about he was like i've come i've gr- come to grow to appreciate the close quarters yeah. Once. Yeah. Like, he did. You know, when was the last time that I got to just experience a good, yeah, lengthy drowning? You yeah. Know? And he's like going through all this stuff about like how much he enjoys to get close to the victims but with like a knife. Or, but then he finally does, yeah. and he, it's just a beating. It's a beating. <laughs> it's just a beating. He, I mean, he was lucky that the, he he triumphed over the other dude, yeah. but the other dude was so much bigger, and he was handing it to him. He was tossing him like yeah. around, like tossing him. It almost that sequence almost in retrospect reminded me a bit of another hitman thing, Barry. Oh, Barry! Yeah, the Ronnie Lilly episode. Yes, I do. Where he goes in and the guy, the Taekwondo guy's in yeah. there and just keeps beating the crap out of this daughter who shows up. Yes. Oh, Barry. Oh, Barry. <laughs> but yes. So I mean, it was good for what it was. Yeah. It wasn't something that was amazing. I don't know if I'd ever watch it on my own again. Yeah. Like if I was around you and you put it in, I. Probably would watch it just with you if you had it on. Yeah. But I don't think that was something I would ever watch by myself. I think that's how, like, a lot of people are feeling about it. I think a lot of people kind of get the, the, are kind of like, oh, it's not really as good as some of those other films. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't, like I said, I would like to rewatch it before I really say anything for sure. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily think I would put it into, like, a category where I would say, oh, it's like kind of like a lesser work or, you I don't, like I wouldn't that. say that either. It just wasn't. It just wasn't my interest. Yeah. It's just the way, like, that type of, sometimes those types of films are just not my yeah. interest. So it's just like, if there's something that has to be there that's captivating, like we just mentioned, Barry. Yeah. That was awesome, even though he was a hitman. That was yeah. awesome because I was connected to Barry. Like, it yeah. was something about his character that drew you in. Yeah. But, like, Fosbinder's character did not draw me in. He was just a, he was a butthole. Like, he did not draw me in. <laughs> so, like, when you say it like that, I'm a little less, like, yeah. You know, I'm a little less. I'm a little less connected to you that way. Well, it does make an interesting thing that, like, you know, Barry did something that was almost counterintuitive to what he wanted. Yeah. You know, like I think the one thing that if Bill Hader wanted Bill Hader's view of Barry was that this is a guy that you should hate. Yeah. Now. I totally understand that's where he's coming from. Yeah. Bill Hader is the wrong casting decision for that I know if you guy. want to hate him because you just end up feeling so much sympathy for him. I mean, because I'm <laughs> coming into it like, as much as I like to separate art from artists as much yeah. as I can. Yeah, yeah, There is that certain element with certain actors mm-hmm. where it's like, I love Bill Hader <laughs> so much. He, like, he was one of my favorite people on SNL. Yeah. I have such a deep relationship with that Part, part of, him. of him, yeah. The, yeah, I'm going to end up kind of attached to Barry a little yeah. bit. <laughs> now, I will say by the end of the series, I was much more attached to Sarah Goldberg. Yeah, because you start feeling bad and you're yeah. seeing her life and then you see, ooh, the stuff that was going on after they had to like run. Yeah. And she had like the kid with him years later and all yeah. that stuff. So, I mean, things got like a little crazy. And then, yeah, you yeah. feel a little less sorry for Barry a little bit. I yeah. think I would say the last like, 
two or three episodes, yeah. I felt a little less like detachment. I'm like, huh. For, for <laughs> me, it really truly started with the Kuzno episode mm-hmm. when he kidnaps Kuzno. Yeah. Toward the end, mm-hmm. and you have that last little bit where he says, you know, if you don't do this, then this one and this one, yeah, they both get it. Yeah. He points his grandchild oh, and his son, right. and then he just looks right at the camera and he's like, do you love me, Mr. Kuzno? When you tell me that you love me? That's when things start going south for me, too. I can't <laughs> lie. That's the, that was the start of it. From that point until the very end, I was just like, this is not a good that man. Was, that was the start of it. <laughs> but no in the beginning, it's almost he did have it in the beginning, right? You were, Even you in the were, middle. Because of it being Bill Hader, because of it being him, you're sort of like wanting Barry to reform. Yeah. You're wanting yeah. him to get better. You you're do. wanting him to find a way out of this. Yeah. And you are kind of irritated with Sally because mm-hmm. you're just like, why don't you understand? Yeah. But you're really saying that because of Bill Hader, not because of Barry. Like yeah. if it was a different actor playing yeah. him. It's honestly a less interesting show because at that point it is actually the killer. Yeah, you're right. That's why I said I feel a lot more detached. Yeah. If it was somebody else. And, you know, it's like if I love Michael Fassbender and I think he tore this role up. Mm-hmm. I think he was amazing he did in this, good in in this, this part. That's how I told you. The whole story for me just, it was okay. It was just okay. I was like, hmm. Yeah. This wasn't my type of story. It, it, well, you know, I think what's interesting is if he's in Barry as Barry. <laughs> And if Bill Hader is in The Killer as The Killer. Yeah. The Killer is suddenly a very, very, very broad comedy. Yeah. It is a very funny movie <laughs> in which everybody gets the joke. Yeah. But Fuzzman was funny too. He was extremely funny, <laughs> but you have to have a little bit of an edge to your sense yeah. of humor, I've noticed. Yeah. Because I, I have one friend who texted me and said, I don't see what you thought was so good about this movie. Ah! <laughs> okay. I texted him back and I said, oh, you didn't like it? He said... I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon and say it's a lesser movie. What I am going to say, though, is that David Fincher created a pace of a train wreck for the entire <gasps> film oh, just no. to then go and go out with a whimper. Oh. He was like, I don't really know what he was doing with this one. And I think Michael Fassbender was very uninteresting. And I was like, wow. wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I was like, that. that is very... But, to me, it was a very funny film. Yeah. I thought it was a very funny film, and I also found it to be very personal for Fincher, because mm-hmm. I I do think that there is a level of him commenting on people that have taken his work wrong. Yeah. His movies are known to kind of, like, have characters, you know, just kind of proclaiming some weird philosophies. Yeah. You know, whether it is Gone Girl, yeah. or whether it is, you know, the kind of anti-establishment you know, kind of views of Elizabeth yeah. Salander or it is Seven or Fight Club. Yeah. He has these characters that are oftentimes, you know, kind of going against the grain. There are a lot of people that have taken that stuff the wrong way. Yeah. They take it as serious. They're yeah. not taking the fact that he's poking fun at those people. Yeah. And instead they're just like, no, these movies represent us. Yeah. I definitely think he made a movie in which he is <laughs> openly saying, I don't, I don't think that this is cool. Yeah. I'm making fun of all of yes. you. <laughs> I, I get it. I do. It's, it's very interesting to see a director comment on their own yeah. filmography in that way. But yeah. like, I do think it's very interesting that, that when you're talking about a hitman story, it very much matters who is in the lead as to how that it movie does. is taken. Yes, it does. Because you know what? It, it'll. More so than a lot of other genre yeah, films. Yeah, it is yeah. because 
you got to find some kind of like relation or empathy or, or, or yeah. feeling for that character that draws you in, especially when they're the main character. And, and then you don't feel nothing for them. Like that's when it's like a little of a disconnect there yeah. because you don't feel nothing for them. But like, like you said, if the roles were reversed, yeah. you'd hate Barry more. Oh, I and would, you love yeah. the character that uh, Fassbender plays in yeah. the killer. You'll love him more if if the if, if the actor, Hader, yeah, yeah, if it was Bill Hader because what Bill Hader brings to everything. Yeah. Though. So then that gives you a different dynamic. It does because like if it also makes Barry kind of a less interesting show in my opinion because then you really are sitting there looking at sally through the entire series going like why are you doing this yeah <laughs> like because you would just be watching yeah a woman who is like a victim yeah get victimized yeah. for the entire runtime yeah there is something very sneaky about the fact that you almost can ignore it yeah because it is bill Hader. yeah There's something very sneaky about that <laughs> where it's like when you go back and rewatch the show you're thinking to yourself like but he also my... just seems like a lost puppy. You know, that's what makes it so first good. Few yeah. ep- like the first few seasons, he yeah. was like, a, but everybody, and you're like, nah, dude, you're just he's very aware. Yeah, he's you're, very, very. You, know, aware. you just play that card. You play that yeah. victim card while you're victimizing other exactly. people, right? And so that's when and you it, just started noticing, realizing that, and it, it just takes you a while to yeah. get there. But once yep. you get there, you're just like, no, oh, you're this really kind of gross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So he did that very well. He did, he did that very well. He did. <laughs> but um but yeah. Yeah. So that was the killer. Yeah. So we got a few other kind of uh newer movies coming out. That yeah. We'll see if any of those hit our top lists. Yeah. I, I think this one is gonna hit mine to some degree. Okay. Like I think it is. Okay. I mean, I did really, really like this movie. I like the soundtrack a lot mm-hmm. too. But um I did really, really enjoy this one. It's the one that, I'm, like I said, I'm most excited to rewatch out of everything that we've seen so okay. far this year. So, cool. Definitely, we'll do that. Yes. But thank you guys for tuning in. And I'm Scott. And I am Brittany. And <laughs> this is the Film Cafeteria. Bye.